Hey everyone, it's Lauren and Mark. Welcome to the 54th episode of the Loose Lugs Racing Podcast. We have some great stuff in store like always. Let's get into it. All right. Mark, 54. Who are your 54s? Hey man, how about Grant Thompson? Wasn't he a surprise last spring when he came up from down south? You know, Casey Johnson was helping him along. And man, I'd like to see that kid come back. That kid's got a lot of talent. Um, 54. Hey, that number was irrelevant until, uh, till Kyle Bush brought that along, you know, and now, uh, um, Ty Gibbs has made it popular and, you know, right now at this time, I, I don't know where Ty Gibbs is going. I, I'm sure he's going to end up in the Xfinity series, but, uh, uh, I haven't seen much uh, news on that just yet. Uh, I'm sure the news will come out soon. Who do you got for 54? Is there buddy? Well, I looked up the averages. Jimmy Perdue and Lenny Pond are the most successful in the 54 at the NASCAR levels. Uh, you know, I remember Todd Bodine in that red, white, and blue number 54 a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Grant Thompson. Uh, hopefully he comes back up here. Like you said, he uh, he was very impressive in his rookie season with the uh, Tundra Super Late Models. Um, Kyle Busch made it famous, like you said. Um, Ty Gibbs, as far as that goes, he's going to be in a Joe Gibbs racing. I just don't know number what number he'll be yet um so there's uh there's a few there's not a ton there's there's not a ton of 54s you know locally chad divine in the 54 that's been yep. around and uh i remember matthew craig down at the snowball derby um he was uh actually rather relevant early in the race but he faded as the race went on down there that's a 54 but yeah not a popular number yeah matt craig he's one of a few big races down south north carolina region uh very good driver there as well well we haven't uh put out as many podcasts as we like over the quote-unquote off season we haven't even discussed the snowball derby with you guys yet we apologize about it life's been pretty busy a lot of things moving moving parts mark let's go all the way back to the snowball derby here what a weekend that was let's start in the trucks race the big thing that happened with the truck race there there was two Talking about the big incident first, though, with uh, Hunter Johnson, John Heil involved, and uh, Stephen Davis was the one who was DQ'd for starting all that nasty, nasty incident. Man, do you remember standing underneath there? We kind of we kind of were between races, and we just kind of were walking around. We walked under the bleachers, and we were standing right where that wall was. And, you know, he busted that wall. There was pieces of the wall underneath there, and uh, just hit that a ton. Um, wow, thankful uh, everybody walked away. I think he what, uh, didn't he fracture a vertebrae in his back. It's lucky that's that's all there was. And then you know, he ricocheted back and then took that other vehicle and took the roof right off. And man, once again, there's a reason why we pray before we go racing. Man, I tell you what, the, the luck involved on that one, yeah, absolutely. Super scary. Uh, John Hiles truck had basically no top to it after he got into Hunter Johnson there. The fence was destroyed. They had to work on that the next day. They did go back to racing. Uh, Casey Johnson crossed the finish line first, but his truck was disqualified. Gavin Graham, who is only 13 years old, Mark, takes the win. Yeah, 13-year-old <laughs> down there. Once again, these kids with talent, huh? How do you like that? Yeah. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of Grant Thompson back a few years ago. I mean, he's still still a teenager, but um, he kind of did the same thing. That's he set the world on fire with the trucks with the truck at the Snowball Derby down there one year. So Gavin Graham might be a name to watch here in a few years. 
Yeah, that's for sure. You know, you pay attention to these youngsters coming up. A lot of good talent there. No doubt about it. Uh, the sportsman also ran that Thursday night. Brandon Fowler, there's a name that's, uh, you know, high high name down there. Uh, he wins a lot of races. Brandon Fowler takes that. The Pure Stocks, Robert Loper, uh, he wins. There's another name that's um, famous down there. Then you go into uh, Friday. The big thing is Snowball Derby qualifying, right? But the mo- Modified's a mayhem. You and I sat down in the pits when we went down to the Snowball Derby for the 50th annual. And those boys and girls are ripping in those machines. Man, you stand right next to the guardrail and you lean over, you know, they're right there, you know. It just I always tell anybody that goes to Pensacola, spend the extra few bucks, put that wristband on your on your wrist, and you need to go down into the pits. Uh, definitely keep your head on a swivel. There's so much going on. You don't have to sign a waiver like we do around here, and you just pay attention to what's going on. And there's some angles, man, that just like, wow, just jaw-dropping good stuff down there. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. I'm glad we experienced that, and we'll experience again this year. Looking forward to it. Uh, Snowball Derby qualifying also on Friday. Surprise, surprise, Derek Thorne, uh, fastest pretty much up to that point in practices, takes the pole. Um, you know that guy is uh, going to be looking for the pole every time down there. You know, the last time we had a podcast, we talked to some of our local guys and talking about just how intense that is to try to make the show, you know, and, uh, yeah, that, that, uh, like you say, we can feel it in the grandstands. You could just feel the tension that goes on to, to try to make that race, man. Yeah. It's almost indescribable what the feeling you get in the stands is. It's a feeling that you don't get at many or, or maybe any race, uh, throughout the year. It's, it's pretty crazy. You know, and you, you, they always draw the numbers, you know, and you want to draw early because as it goes later on in the night, the uh, you know, down in Florida, they got, you know, you get a little bit of moisture in the air and the dew and being near the ocean like that and some humidity. And uh, it affects it affects the racetrack. It actually puts a little moisture in the air. And the, the ones that are running out later um, have a harder time setting down a good lap. Yeah, we hear a lot of drivers say that they want to be about mid-pack, maybe – you know, late teens, then the twenties a little bit uh, before that dew starts to set in. Plus, then there's rubber on the track from the early goers. Um, there's a lot of a lot of factors that come in to that Friday night qualifying session. Yeah, and then they go. If you don't make it, you go to last chance race. You know, and that that's tough. That is just a you know a tough way to try to make it into the race. So, um, yeah, and there is so much good talent down there. I mean. <laughs> You know, it's the best. Of, the best of the best are down there. You know, so that's um, that's how it goes down there. Yeah, um, pretty nuts. You know, the modifieds of mayhem. Cody Stickler takes the win in that one. Then you had the next night. You had the outlaws. Connor Okrezik, uh, who used to be a, a super late model driver, going everywhere. Kind of scaled back a little bit. Wasn't able to run the. I think he was supposed to run the truck down there as well. Wasn't able to run that, but he takes home the win in the outlaws. Yeah, there's a name that, uh, that's been around, too. Kind of stepped down a little bit, but uh, um, back in the day, he was good super late model racing, and I'm probably expect him to be back up there someday. Yeah, I would be surprised if he, he wasn't at some point. Uh, um, still might dabble in it a little bit here and there, but uh, I, I expect uh, he, he's a darn good driver, so it would be nice to see him back in a super late model a little more often. Uh, then you go to uh, the Snowflake 100. Uh, the second biggest race of the weekend, Derek Thorne 
is perfect in that race. You know, Jake Garcia kept him honest. You know, he was chasing that rabbit that whole race, you know, and we were watching, you know, we were definitely watching Casey Johnson, you know, because he was down there and, uh, wow, he was doing good, went from seventh to fourth, you know, but then, um, you know, the quality of the tire was in um, was in play there and the tire chunked up and then like lap 40 or something like that. He had to, he lost a couple laps on a, on a bad tire, but uh, all in all, yeah, <laughs> Derek Thorne led all 100 laps. That's rather impressive. Oh, it's darn impressive. Um, he's He's got it figured out in that Snowflake 100. You know, he won the pole. I believe it was the third straight year for him in the pole in the Snowflake 100. Um, he's got that thing figured out. Then you go to the the big one on, on Sunday, the 300-lapper uh, snowball derby. Un- unbelievable feeling you get today. It's It feels like you're at the Super Bowl when you're there. Mark, you know that. Um, Chandler Smith. Takes the win on a bump and run on Derek Thorne. Derek Thorne led 280-some laps, uh, but Chandler Smith gets the best of him, stays close to him on a late restart, and uses his bumper. Derek Thorne had to go up to the third lane to save it, was able to do so. Uh, congratulations to Chandler Smith. I don't view much wrong with it. It was it was a hard shove, though. It was, um, it was interesting. We talked to Derek about it a, a few weeks ago, as you guys heard, and he, he says it's not going to change the way he races, which I I cannot say that that would not make me want to change. You know, there was a lot of keyboard warriors, probably the most I've ever seen of all these so-called experts and how people people's feelings were about that move. Um, you know, no matter what anybody's going to say, there's going to be somebody that's not going to be happy. Um, if your favorite driver does it and wins, well, then it's okay. But if your favorite driver gets pushed out of the way, well, then you're not going to like that. Um, a lot of people would say if Derek Thorne was fast enough, that Chandler wouldn't have been able to touch him. Um, <laughs> maybe so, but, you know, um, and then it comes back like eight tires are better than four. You heard that before. The bump and run has always been, it's always been in racing, especially short tracks like that. Um, it's a part of racing. Um, you're, you're racing to the end of the race. Um, it's, it's never going to go away. It's going to happen again and there's going to be controversy. Um, I, my feeling was, is that at least Chandler didn't put him in the wall. You know, if you bump the guy and at least he's got enough to save it, then I would say it's a good bump and run. If he would have took him, let's say, uh, for instance, uh, Derek would have lost it then he would have spun. Well, that would have that, they both would end up going to the back, and that would have been their day, you know. So you gotta you gotta have some talent to do a move like that. And uh, I didn't, my personally, I didn't have a problem with it. I just like it was exciting. It wasn't vanilla, <laughs> you know. Um, it made people talk. I tell you what, it was um, it got people really involved, and uh, there was a lot of people that talked about it. What's your feelings on that bump and run, there, buddy? Yeah, like I said, I didn't have a, a big issue with it. It was a pretty hard shove, uh, more than most people would di- would do. Um, it reminded me, uh, and you'll remember this, a few years back at the Slinger Nationals when Matt Kenseth get, got into Eric Jones on a late restart coming out of turn two. 
And, and my belief with, with that incident was if it wasn't Eric Jones driving that race car, pretty much anyone else would go around. And Matt was lucky that Eric was driving that car. You know, there's a select few around the, the nation that could probably save it like Eric did. I, I view that the same way I did this time. It was, a, it was a hard shove. I mean, Derek went up to the third groove, was able to handle it. But if there's not a Derek Thorne, a Chandler Smith, a Ty Majeski, um, you know, a lot of people that have talent to save that, that you're right. That could have easily ended both of their day. Um, Derek finishes second after dominating the day. I feel so bad for him after the last two years of him leading so many laps, especially this past year. Um, so I don't have a huge problem with it. I, I guess if I'm nitpicking, I would say it was too hard. Didn't need to do it that hard, but also it got Chandler the win. If you're look, if you're Chandler, you did exactly what you wanted to do. You push him up so far where you knew he wasn't going to get back to you unless there was another restart and he, he pulled it off. So I don't necessarily like how hard it was, like I said, but he did what he needed to do to win. And, and we, you know, we've talked to Chandler many times. He's a, he's a good, good driver. Nice to us. Uh, Derek is as well. Many of the drivers that have come on are as well, but uh, I just wish it wasn't probably as hard, but he did what he needed to do to win. So I don't have a big issue with it. But you got to remember that we're doing 90, hundred miles an hour going into that corner, you know, and things happen lightning fast. And, uh, but I, I thought uh, Derek gained a lot of fans by the sportsmanship that he showed. Um, when I asked him, I said, you got out of the car and you just like, he just kind of like stopped for a second and thought about what kind of reaction he was going to have. And uh, um, yeah, he gained a lot of fans by his sportsmanship. Kudos to him. Yeah. And we weren't surprised by that at all. You know, uh, we've talked to him a few times to know how he is, but that was a great question by you because um, there, there, there's a lot of emotion involved in a big race like that. The other thing I think about is, you know, him having kids and helping them with it. But the last two years he's gotten moved, um, which isn't, isn't, we don't have a big problem with that, but roles reversed. I wanted to get his thoughts on if he would return the favor in the future. And he claims he won't, I guess time will tell, but, I, I, how, how would you feel about if, if that happened to you two years in a row, would you change your thought on, on maybe repaying the favor? If I'm racing and I've been in that car for two and a half hours and working all day and it's there for the taking. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to drive my front end right underneath his back end. And I'm going to at least drive him. you know, <laughs> like the intimidator, you're going to intimidate him and wait for that mistake. You know what I mean? That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, God, yeah. <laughs> for the snowball derby, man. Yeah. I think, I think anybody would do that. Once when you're under pressure and you've been there for two and a half hours and you know, the finish line's right there. Yeah. Bump and run will never go away, buddy. It's good. You will see it again someday down the road. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, my biggest feeling was happy for Chandler, super sad for Derek after leading all those laps. But uh, heck of a show. Uh, we both enjoyed it and uh, can't wait for the next one to, to be back there in person. Let's uh, move on to the Chili Bowl a little bit. The Chili Bowl happened a few weeks ago. Uh, Tanner Thorson outduels Bell. He got by Bell and 
Bell thought he was going to get back to him and, and never did. And uh, what a win for Tanner Thorson. Man, that track was really something with that berm that was in there. And, you know, the guys had to hit it just right. And wow, did Chase Elliott go for a ride. He even said while he was flying through the air, this is not going to be good. And, hey, good thing he didn't went over the fence. That would have been uh, pretty nasty. He caught some major air when he went flying. Yeah, he did. That uh, That could have been ugly real quick. You know, Larson – to me was surprising that he wasn't as strong as he was in the past. He was hung around the fifth spot all race. Couldn't really get more forward than that. That was surprising to me. Man, talk about talent down there. What they have over a thousand, 1100 cars down there. Just like, wow, what a show, dude. <laughs> what a show. Uh, maybe someday, maybe a bucket list, man. You know, maybe you might have to go check that out and see what's going on there. Maybe. How about a uh, big old hell yeah, let's go oh, to that. Right. Oh, big old hell yeah, then let's go to <laughs> Tulsa, let's go. <laughs> you know, you think about biggest shows, Chili Bowl is right up there with, with all of them. And like you said, there's 1,100 cars or whatever there was there. They call it the soup. You go from, you know, Heat Race M all the way. There might be more than that. I'm just using that as an example. Um, but, you know, Sammy Swindell, one of the best to ever do it. He came through a couple of those soup races, heat races. Um, that's an all-week event, and that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. You know, um, <laughs> they got a place up in uh, New Richmond up there, a little barn that's up there, and they were running little uh, um, little cars up there and stuff like that in the barn. That's the first thing I thought of was a chili bowl, like, hey, check this out. Same kind of concept that they have there. So, um, yeah, quite interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's probably a must-see uh, must thing. Maybe we'd have to think about going down there, man. Yeah, no, maybe for me, we're going. Let's let's do it the All next right. few years. All right, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Um, I think they're a little too far away to do 50th. I think this year was 38th, if I remember correctly. So that would be 12 years from now. That's probably a little too long to wait. Maybe we will end up at the 50th annual Chili Bowl, though, still. Uh, but right. we got to go before that. Yeah, we'll bring your kids down there and show them. And then maybe oh, we'll uh, – Maybe we'll pick them up a go-kart or something like that and get their career started there for you. How's that, buddy? Sponsored by Double L Sports Network. How do you like that? <laughs> yeah. We We're already yeah. off the ground there, huh? We'll see. We'll see. Uh, yeah, I better start saving now. You better uh, start. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the NASCAR next-gen car. Some news and um, things have been released about that. Uh, they have decided on a package, so they're going to use 670 horsepower and a four-inch spoiler at all the tracks except sp super speedways. Uh, the body is fully symmetrical, which will reduce aero force and put emphasis back on setup and driver control. Uh, composite body, that is one of the biggest things that we were advocating for. Yeah, that's that's huge in a way, too. Um Looking at these cars and where they put the number placement, it makes them cars look totally different. They almost look like they're foreign from a distance. Um, there's been a lot of guys where it's just all of a sudden snappy loose and gone. Um, it's back into the driver's hands. You're going to see the talent of the drivers coming out in here. Um, how about this uh, new penalties that are going to come out? They came down this last week with uh, the new rules. And, uh, well, you don't want to get your fingers caught in a cookie jar 
because uh, <laughs> you could absolutely ruin your whole season and a whole bunch of money and suspensions and everything. NASCAR is not messing around anymore with these penalties. Uh, it's cut and dry now. Yeah, we'll actually get into that next. Uh, continue with the next-gen car. There's a new transaxle that combines the transmission and rear gears into one package with the eye on the future, the ability to incorporate electrification. So that's uh, interesting to me. The bottom of the car is sealed with an underwing and rear diffuser, which will help with handling and traffic and reduce dirty air. We hear so much about dirty air, so that's going to reduce it, hopefully make for a, a more passing, better racing in, in their eyes. Uh, there's hood louvers will allow teams to mac maximize engine performance independent of aerodynamics. Uh, there's a redesigned chassis, features new front and rear bumpers for increased safety. Both front and rear clips bolt onto the center section for easier serviceability and repair. Uh, In-car cameras can be in all vehicles with updated connectivity. One lug nut, what strategy will that bring? You know, you're thinking faster pit stops. You may not need a full fuel load to go in the middle part of these races so people can be mixing it up. Uh, it's going to be entry. Um, excuse me, interesting to see what that brings about. And then you mentioned the numbers forward a little bit. Have you adjusted to that at all? I'm having a hard time with that. I totally understand why they did it. It's good for the sponsors, and we need sponsors to stay in the sport. It's just a little hard to get used to, and I haven't adjusted yet. How about you? Well, it's going to take time, but we'll we'll get that, you know, for sure. Hey, uh, yeah, some of the, you know, when they when they started going and uh, get going, uh, the exhaust system goes underneath the driver's seat, and the heat was just unbearable. They said it was so hot in those cars, so now they put like there's slots in the back window. Of the, you know that, that so there's airflow that actually gets some of the air out of the vehicles they, they, they took one test session of a whole afternoon trying to figure out how to cool these cars down for the drivers for their comfort um yeah there's a ton of technology with this car like they say you know you could take a front clip or a, a rear clip like i think it was uh william byron i think it was at dover did he hit the wall really hard he hit it a ton and they said they brought it in, they unbolted the back clip, and they went and just put the bolts back in. And in 30 minutes, that car was back together and ready to go. But, um, yeah, quite interesting. Um, <laughs> interesting car we're going to see. And, and I, you know, you, you hear them going around the track, and they still got that same NASCAR engine purr to them, though. You know, and uh, I like this 7670 package. Um, I think that's right average of what we used to have. It's more than that. What was it, that 550 they had? I think there's a little bit more of a throttle response that's going to be there. So, um, yeah, they've done the testing on there. They just got done running at Phoenix here these last two days, and I think that's the end of testing until they get to Daytona. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> we'll just have to get used to the way those cars look. But, uh, you know, it's back in the driver's hands. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on the uh, horse, horsepower package as well. 670, I like that better than the 550. We'll see what happens with it. It, it sounds it sounds good a, a, as of now. The 4-inch uh, spoiler, too, that's, that's an interesting thing that they went with. Uh, you know, you're talking about the diffusers. Um, there's actually talk about how if you hit the back end 
in a certain way or hard enough, you know, you heard about Austin Dillon on the Dale Jr. download, that you hit that and it could actually make the downforce worse, but it also could make it better for the car. There, there Like you said, so much technology. I think there's going to be things that we haven't uh, seen before here pretty early on. We don't have to worry about loose lug nuts, only one. <laughs> and if you got a loose lug nut, um, it's probably going to be undrivable. So that's going to change everything. You better make sure that you got your lug nut on tight. Um, that'll be interesting with a 18 inch tire on there. You know, it's, that's a whole different ball game too with that. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an adjustment for a lot of people, you know, before we get into the penalties and moving forward, NASCAR last season or Fox branded it as the best season ever. I'll tell you, that was one of the, the best seasons racing wise, I think in a, in a long time last year. And you thought maybe that would come with the new car, what are your thoughts on potentially the racing that we'll see this year and the parody that we'll see? Do you expect more of it than last year? I think the field is now even. And, and I think even some uh, lower, lower guys that don't win much or anything are back into the game. Um, yeah, I think there's going to be some good racing. You're going you're gonna to see who the wheelmen are. Um, all of a sudden you're going to be watching racing and somebody's just going to just play and lose it. And just like, they just like all of a sudden it's just out of control and, and they think they, they scratch their head and like, what happened? They just didn't realize it. So there's um, in the beginning of the year, there's going to be some growing pains with this. And um, I, you know, next year, the following year, we can, they can tweak it and get it the way that they want. But I think for a, for a base of what they're doing, I think, um, yeah, they're on the right track, and we'll see where it goes. Yep, yep, absolutely. You know, the other thing we have to worry about is how many cars are in production because uh, there's not a whole lot um, as of right now, but uh, hopefully that gets better and there's not a whole wadding them up here. Um, let's move into the penalties, though. So you mentioned it. A lot of new penalties. NASCAR's not playing around. Uh, the new L1 penalty. This will be team source parts not meeting the rule book, not rising to a higher penalty level. This could mean failure to meet post-race weight, failure to submit and receive approval of parts in the rule book. There could be a penalty of 20 to 75 points, one to 10 playoff points, suspension of a crew member, one to three races, and a $25,000 to $100,000 fine. There, that's got some teeth to it, doesn't it? <laughs> Well, and it gets it gets better yet. Yeah, L2, yeah. yeah, L2, modifications to single-source next-gen parts not ra- rising to an L3 penalty. That could mean engine seal violations. That would be a big one to me. I'm, su- I'm almost surprised that that's an L2, to be honest with you. Uh, unapproved alterations to the engine control system wiring. Use of unapproved onboard electronics. All those could bring a penalty of 75 to 120 points, 10 to 25 playoff points, suspension of one or two crew members for four to six races and or a $100,000 to $250,000 fine. So, yeah, that that bites even more. But there's even more than that gets even worse, doesn't it, buddy? It does. This is a a huge change. They're, They're cracking down. L3, which could be counterfeiting or modifying single-source next-gen parts, uh, which could mean engine infractions, uh, ECU or EFI violations, 
modifying tires and or fuel. That's always been a big one for NASCAR. That's a big no-no. Um, violations of private team testing policy. All of these could bring 120 to 180 points in penalty, losing 25 to 50 playoff points, suspension of one or two crew members for six races, um, $250 to $500,000 fine, nullifying postseason eligibility regardless of wins, points, or other qualifying criteria, a one-race suspension for the team. Those are big penalties. Your season's over if you go across that line, yeah. for sure. Now, if you cross the line that far, it doesn't mean they're going to do all of those, but though that's what it could bring, and it's pretty serious. Yeah, yeah, and usually if you try to uh, try to fight those penalties and, you know, you try to uh, uh, get them reduced, you probably aren't going to win. NASCAR, I think, has drawn their line in their sand, and that's where it's going to stand. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, all right, let's talk about the clash going forward. We got the clash coming up here in, what is it, uh, one week? One week from this weekend out in L.A. at the Coliseum, the track looks – awesome actually i'm i'm surprised at it it looks it looks like a nice little bull ring it's gonna bring a lot of beating and grinding there's 36 drivers entered into it um i believe what is it 24 that's gonna make uh we'll get into that in a second uh so you got chastain Cindric, dylan harvick larson brad lajoy reddick elliot elmerola hamlin haley mcdowell Gillen, Custer, Ty Dillon, Jones, Kurt Busch, Stenhouse, Bowman, Ware, Blaney, Briscoe, Priest, uh, Elmendinger, Busher, Kyle Busch, Truex, Bell, Harrison Burton, Logano, Bubba, Byron, uh, Castle, McLeod, and Suarez. 23 drivers out of that 36 will make the feature, and this is how it's going to run. Top four from each of the four heats advance, so that would be 16 Three from each last chance, so there's two last chances. That would be another uh, six, bringing to 22. And then the last driver gets in, highest points driver that did not advance from last year gets the provisional. So, yeah, we're going all the way over to California. And, you know, they spent a pretty penny to turn that Coliseum over, and it looks like a shiny new penny, dude. But um, – <laughs> They're going to find out how these new cars hold up because there's going to be some bumping and grinding. And, you know, a lot of people are right away saying, oh, it's another Bowman Gray, and it's, it's going to kind of put the same kind of racing out there. Um, we'll see. But, uh, you know, once again, we're, we're short on manufacturing these cars, and they're going to go out there. And if I was, if I was an owner, <laughs> if I was an owner of a cup car, you're going to go out there and, you know, and, and rub these cars up like this. Then you're going to go to Daytona and Speed Weeks, and you know how much those cars get absolutely – I mean, there's going to be some teams that are really going to be hurting for some cars, man, um, parts and stuff like that. And so we'll see where it goes. But, um, yeah, get your popcorn ready Saturday night, man. We're, we got heat races in NASCAR. I love it, and I wish more of that would come around where you have heat races, and if, if you don't make it, well, too bad. You don't make it. You know, a lot of people say, well, that's too bad for the sponsor. Oh, well, that's, you know, I love heat, the idea of heat racing, and uh, I hope that kind of goes that way in the future. I have to disagree with you. Um, we tried heat races at, was it Bristol that one year? 
uh, did not work out well. Oh, well, the stages work much better. Could there be a modification as far as qualifying for a race? Maybe, but the charter system kind of takes that away. And the benefit of the charter system is to make the uh, teams more valuable. So I don't see that changing. Uh, I know what you're saying. I think there's a time and a place for heat races. I think this is a great time to have it. Maybe the all-star race as well. But I think the stages have provided something better than the heat races have throughout the whole season. So I kind of like that. Uh, totally know where you're coming from, though. Um, but as far as the cars, the, I, I wonder how big of the concern is actually over in North Carolina where the, they know how much uh, overhead they have and you're going out there to bump and grind. Now the thought is you can take that car and go back out to Phoenix after when they go out west shortly after the Daytona 500. But I would love to know how much overhead they got because there's been multiple – comments from teams and drivers that there's not much so we'll see how how this goes uh what are your what do you are you excited to see the clash out at there do you think we'll see a bowman gray to me i think we'll see more of martinsville than bowman gray but uh it's it's a non-points period race so uh boys have at it boys have at it yeah, they even put softballs in there, you know. So, they I mean, they did everything that they needed to do. Um, you know, with a short track race like this, and just maybe if it does work out, hey, maybe there could be some other little bull rings around this country that can be thrown into the mix. And, uh, you know, and there's a lot of good racetracks, short track little racetracks around this country where you could actually get um, um, new venues to go to. If it, if it works out this way. So um, let's see where it goes. Um, I'm definitely interested in it. Um, they're not saving any money by going all the way out to LA then back to Daytona for speed weeks and then go back to California, you know, and then they do the West coast. That's a lot of travel, man, going across the country like this. But um, yeah, like I say, LA Coliseum looks really shiny and new right now. And they did a heck of a job. Sure. Don't look like a football field anymore, man. <laughs> Yeah. Hopefully they get the crowd support. Hopefully the people out there in California will support it. Yeah. And, you know, that's the other thing. Not only does the track look shiny and new, you look up in the stands and you're like, this is the Coliseum. There's so much history in there. It looks super cool. Almost like a Bristol, you know, you're thinking of Coliseum stadium type deal. I, I think it looks, I think it looks pretty awesome to, to be able to go out there and, you know, we talked about it when it was first announced. I personally thought it was a gimmick at first. We'll see how it plays out. But the more and more I hear things about it, I, I like it, and we'll we'll see what we get. But the other thing is, LA is what the number one or number two market for NASCAR. So I think going out there was pretty important and trying something like this. And who knows what it can lead to, like you said. So. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. I've kind of backed away from my initial statement of saying it was a gimmick because um, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like the idea of trying something different. But who says they can't go to, let's say, Soldier Field in Chicago or they go to a state, go to a stadium in New York or, you know, turn these football stadiums into racetracks? You know, it didn't take them that long to actually say, we're going to do this. And next thing you know, you'll look at it say, holy cow, the track is made already. Um, so you don't know where this could lead. We could actually have a lot of stadium races that are going to be going on. And 
you know, Daytona is sold out, man. So it's still popular. And, uh, and we'll see. Um, we'll see where it goes, man. It might be a good thing. How about Lambeau Field? How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd go stand in line for that one, man. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, well, and, and you know, we kind of joking say that. I, I don't think that'll happen, but uh, that would be pretty cool. But I think the one thing that this is going to potentially lead into that uh, some people aren't thinking about too is going over into Europe and doing that at a, at a soccer field stadium or something like that and getting, you know, that uh, there's been talks about it. So I think this is going to be a trial for maybe leading into something like that and trying to expand the, the fan base similar to what the NFL did. You never know, man. So see where it goes. Um, that's all, you know, maybe it'll work. Just need the fan support to support it. And uh, we'll see what goes on out there in LA. Absolutely. Um, speaking of this weekend now, uh, you got a couple of big races. You got Speed Fest at Chris Motorsports Park down there in Cordell, Georgia. That lineup looks awesome. Uh, Corey Heim is going to lead the field to green for that one. Uh, that's always a big race. Looking forward to seeing that. And then the Rolex 24, which to me is really the start of race season back starting back up. Uh, that I'm looking forward to the Rolex 24. The thing that surprised me about the Rolex 24 is there's not as much NASCAR participation in it. You saw a bunch last year getting ready for the new car and all that. And this year you're not seeing it, which surprised me a little bit. In fact, there is only two and one, only one active NASCAR driver. So Cindric is in a uh, GT Daytona ride, Jimmy Johnson, who's now full-time in IndyCar this year, but former seven time NASCAR cup series champion is in a prototype. And then there's 12 car, 12 drivers from IndyCar. You will usually expect a good crowd from that, but I'm surprised that there's not much participation from the NASCAR drivers in the 24. Hmm. Yeah, I saw that too. That there wasn't much. Did you uh, Did you see the weather forecast for down there this weekend? I haven't. I'm going to guess you did, and I'm looking forward to hearing it. All right. How about uh, Saturday night? Low of 27 with wet northwest winds at 10 to 20, and they got frost warnings down there. So it is going to get cold, and I bet you that track is going to be slick. And it's going to be uh, it's going to be a must see uh, must see race. It's only supposed to like get up to fifty four on on uh, Sunday, so it's going to be kind of crisp and cold for them down there. You and I, I have talked to you about talk about bucket list items like the Chili Bowl, the Rolex twenty four is one as well. Um, I'm going to tell you that I am so thankful that even though fifty four is quite the difference from what we got here right now that I am not glad that I'm going to Florida and sitting in 54 degree weather with a low of 27. That would be pretty disappointing. I'm glad we did not go this year. I mean, you can't even sit on the beach down there. That's, you know, and then people down there, that's, that's like below zero for us up here. Then people are going to freeze down there. And, you know, these, uh, these guys are going to be working on these cars and these, these guys are just sitting in the pits, you know, and trying to catch a nap here with that wind that's blowing. It's going to be brutal for them down there. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. I, I, had to, I had to go do a check and see what the weather was, and that's what I found today. Like, wow, it's going to be cold, record cold for them down there. I'm glad you checked on that. You're usually on top of the weather, so I'm not surprised. But uh, mm-hmm. Yep, I'm I, a weather geek. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I am glad that we are not going. That would be pretty disappointing to see that. Although it's still one heck of a spectacle. 
Oh, yeah. We'll be watching for sure. Yep, I'll be on that. Uh, see you later. I'll stay up tomorrow night and watch that. Oh, that was going to be my next question. Uh, how late will you, How late do you usually stay up? How many I hours usually, of the 24 do you get to watch? I, I usually watch up to about 10, 11 o'clock, and then I'll go to bed, and then I wake up and then get a cup of coffee going. And you know what? By 6 o'clock next morning, and every year it's the same thing. My wife will come out, and there's racing on at this time. You know, why is there a race on at this time? It's it's the 24. It's 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 been going all the way, you know, and it's uh, quite the interesting race. It's Man, <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of luck that goes with that, you know. And um, them cars go through a lot. Um, so do the drivers and the teams. It's it's um, it's a grueling race, and uh, it's worth watching. It's a good stuff. Absolutely, yeah. You, I'm kind of a night owl, so usually I can stay up till midnight or even later. Sometimes two, three o'clock in the morning. Then I'll wake back up uh, mid morning, eight, nine o'clock usually. Uh, maybe 10 if I really need sleep and uh, watch on from there. But uh, two two big races this weekend. You know, Racing America has a special to watch uh, Speedfest as well. I think it's new members or members that aren't members right now because some people get it a month here or there. Uh, I think it's 50% off, and you can watch uh, Speedfest for $5, I think it is. So uh, if you get a chance, check that out as well because that'll, that'll be a good show. Yeah, yep. And the, the super lights are starting their season down south, so that's a good sign. Racing's starting to take off, man. We're getting ready. It doesn't seem that long ago that we we're, were talking about snowball derby, and now we're talking about the 2022 season already. So uh, things are definitely uh, hitting the pavement here, and things are on the horizon. You know, one thing I'm bummed out about that they just announced yesterday, they, they dropped the spring race at Martinsville. They dropped 100 laps off of that to turn it into a 400. Um, I guess that's okay. You know, 500 laps on that race can be grueling. To take 100 laps away under the lights, I guess I guess I can live with that. So um, <laughs> we'll see where that goes. We're, but we're getting gypped 100 laps out of Martinsville, dude. Yeah, I have been in the crowd of leave the race lengths alone. Don't lower it. Do I think 100 laps at Martinsville is going to make a huge difference? No. In fact, it could make the racing a lot better with them, you know, making them go harder earlier and knowing that they have to get up on that wheel. We'll see. Um, I was a little disappointed here at first, but I I actually think it'll make the racing better because of what I just said. Uh, So, uh, I know where you're coming from because I don't want to see this be a trend. I don't want to see, you know, there's talks about does the Coke is the Coca-Cola 600 necessary? Does Daytona 500 need to be 500 miles? I, I think you first off you need to leave the Crown Jewels alone. But second off, I don't know that it necessarily needs to be a trend. Although I'm probably a little old school in thinking that because I can sit down and and watch a race from flag to flag generally. And in today's day and world, sometimes that's an issue for people and there's a lot of things going on. So we'll see what happens in the future. But, yeah, that did get lowered. I'm sure TV has something to say with that, with the media also, of putting in time slots, you know, when a race runs over and it takes over another time slot like this. So I'm sure the networks have a little say-so in that too. So that might sway them to change that also. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, well, Mark, I think that's all we got for episode number 54 here. 
Uh, thanks as always for joining me. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Now I think we may do more of these video uh, podcasts here coming at you. We're still gonna uh, try to put it in the audio too for people that just want to listen to it, and we know that's a big part of our audience as well. We hope to have some drivers on uh, for video uh, coming up here too. Um, we were gonna talk about the changes in crew chiefs and um, teams and driver swaps. Uh, but there's still things happening that have not been announced yet. I know we're just a few weeks away, but we want to wait till all everything's concrete to go over that. So I think we'll probably do another podcast after the clash, uh, maybe yeah, probably after the clash, get a results of that. And then moving forward, tell you about the driver's change because by then it'll be set in stone um, or shortly thereafter. Before you go, I want your opinion of Tony Stewart being in the booth on Fox. Yeah, um, that was one thing that was announced. So Tony Stewart's going to join for the Daytona, uh, for the Clash and for the Daytona 500. Um, I, this is how I feel. A few years ago, I would have said there's no way. There's no way. And the the older he gets, the more you see this, the wheels turn and all that. You see him get into a little bit of production and ownership with the SRX super experience. Um, I think I think he'll be great. And I think it's a great pairing of him and Clint. And I think that's going to be entertaining as well. And saying that Clint could probably carry it by himself. He did great with Jeff last year. Very exciting to watch. He makes the racing more uh, enjoyable with him in the booth, but I think that'll be a great teaming. Smoke is going to have a lot of knowledge. I almost expect him to be more technical than even Boyer is, um, but we'll see what happens. I, I think Tony will do a good job. It's going to be fun to see who else they get up into the booth because they're going to rotate some talent. Uh, what are your thoughts on Tony being the first one up there? Well, I think uh, Mike Joy is going to have his work cut out for him <laughs> for these two guys. You know, um, yeah, it could be a heck of a pairing. Um, yeah, I'm all for having uh, having variety up in the booth. Um, when you first told me about it, I just like, yeah, but Tony's done it before. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, it, sh it should be interesting. Um, you, you'll get used to it. But, yeah, you're right. Boyer probably could hold the show by himself, but it's always good to have a, another mind that's there, and Tony sure is knowledgeable. He's got his fingers in that everything so um yeah we'll see where it goes with that i'm uh i'm all for it it's okay it's pretty crazy what he's got his hands into starting up that drag uh team you know he's got srx he's got the cup series team he has the dirt uh series he helps out with some of that now he's getting into the booth a few times uh that man just does not stop that's all right. That guy, he's the one who's trying to promote racing. So you go, Tony, you go. <laughs> Absolutely. He does a whale of a job at it too. Uh, so, yep. I'm looking forward to, to seeing what that brings, but um, well, the clash, like we said, uh, is a week away. It's hard to believe that it's already here. And then we got a week off for the Super Bowl, and then the Daytona 500. We'll, uh, like I said, we'll talk to you after the clash coming up here. Uh, We'll see. We'll see what our thoughts are and what we see after that. But uh, Mark, thanks again for for joining me here. Thanks for everyone for the the support. And uh, hey, we'll talk to you soon. 
All right, man. Yeah, we'll talk to you later, man. See ya. See ya. This has been a production of Double L Sports Network. Hope you all enjoyed it, and thank you for listening.